thanks again, Jason, and all the worship team doing a great job for us this morning. Thank you guys very, very much. Wanted to, again, uh, just welcome you and say Happy New Year. It is January 8th. I know some of you were here last Sunday, but it was a quiet Sunday because it was a holiday, and we are glad you're here. Uh, before I get started on the message today, one more announcement that's important. Uh, next Sunday, January 15th, immediately after the 1045 service, so right around noon, we will have a congregational meeting to elect corporation officers. So we have four corporation officers that we're required to have, and I believe we're electing two new ones this term. So that's next Sunday, immediately after the second service, a short congregational meeting. Wanted to let you know that. Well, Jerry's upstairs this morning at this hour with our youth and choirs, which is a good place to be. He will be returning to our sermon series on Luke next Sunday, as we were doing in the fall, you know, before, uh, before Advent. Advent, we looked at Isaiah and then the Christmas time messages, uh, and so then we'll get back into Luke next Sunday. But today, we're going to look into Mark, and obviously, we just installed and ordained new elders and deacons, so new leaders of the church. I like to call them servant leaders. But I think this passage here helps us to think about how we can all be servant leaders in different ways in the church. So let's read today's passage, Mark 10, 32 through 45. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Appoint us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to appoint, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten, the other ten disciples, when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Instead, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. Lord, on this day, we thank you again for your word. And so, God, as we look at the word, may the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as we think about a new year, we think, what will it be like? Good, bad, what will happen? How soon can I get to Florida or somewhere warm? You may be thinking that. I'm wondering that. Or I, I want some warm days. We had some last week, which was very nice. We might be thinking about New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've done some of those these past week. I think for today, as we think about a new year in the church, this kind of first full Sunday of the year in the church, we might think about serving or leading inside or outside the church. You know, inside the church family, the walls of the church are outside the walls of the church as well. So many of you are leaders, you know, in your families, your career, maybe already here in the church different ways. Some of you who are retired have been leaders. And so we can all be leaders in some way. We can all lead by example in some way. So I think this passage in Mark 10 is fascinating to think about that servant leadership. Jesus is telling the disciples who still don't fully understand it what it means to lead and to serve and to be all in. Now, when I was looking at this passage this week, I wasn't gonna include right away uh, verses 32 through 34, but as I thought about it more and kept reading it over and over again, I really realized that those first three verses set the context for the whole passage. Because as we just read, Jesus is walking with his friends, the disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and he tells them, this is not the first time or the second time, but the third time that he is going to die this time he gives them specifics when he says it's going to happen in Jerusalem and he will be mocked, he will be spit upon and flogged before dying. You know, this has to be disconcerting, I think, for us to read this, but especially for the disciples who were walking with them. They're probably hoping or wishing or thinking that this isn't true and, and maybe they don't fully get it as well. N.T. Wright, who's a Bible commentator we've mentioned before, says, they probably think things are going to get rough, but maybe Jesus is exaggerating or is using hyperbole and that he'll, he'll probably pull through. But Jesus is really saying that everything is about to change. So perhaps without fully knowing what Jesus is saying or that Jesus is going to die, the brothers James and John ask if they can sit on Jesus' right and left. Now this sounds strange, but in Matthew 19, 28, so we're in the Gospel of Mark, but in Matthew 19, it says this, Jesus' words, truly I tell you, at the renewal of things, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now this is a little mysterious, but maybe they had already heard this uh, said from Jesus. We don't know. It's in one of the different Gospels. And so maybe they were asking about that. And yet, it still seems terribly selfish. They are going ahead of the other 10 disciples, and they're asking, we want the best seats. We're asking. We're going for it. We're being bold. We're asking for the best seats. Now, I think the other 10, it says they were indignant. They were very upset. You know, maybe they're thinking, you got to be kidding you two guys, you're only thinking about yourselves. What about us? And maybe they might think without saying it, hey, 
I wanted that seat. I want to sit next to Jesus when we get to heaven. One commentator said about this part of this passage that the lure of power ensnares all of us. The lure of power ensnares all of us. And Jesus says to them, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? He's talking about the cup and the baptism. Uh, He is talking about the suffering of going to the cross. So are James and John willing to take on the persecution, even for themselves, perhaps even the arrest or the suffering or the death that Jesus will face. And still, they're asking for the best seats in the house. You know, if you're going to a theater uh, for a show, if you're going to the Broadway coming to Indianapolis, or if you're going to a ball game, you want the best seats in the house. But what if being a leader, being a servant in God's economy as a follower of Jesus means giving away the best seats in the house? Recently, some friends of ours offered our family really good seats uh, to go to an IU basketball game. I know there's a lot of Purdue fans here, but we're kind of IU fans. So, hey, we accepted those tickets right away. And two of my family members got to go down to Bloomington and had great seats to watch a basketball game. We were very appreciative and really appreciative of their example. They said, Scott, we know you're, you're basketball fans. Do you want two seats? And by the way, they're good seats to a game. And of course... We said yes, and we said thank you as well. But being a leader means sometimes giving up the best seats and offering them to someone else. Now, my favorite part of the passage comes in the end of the passage where Jesus explains it like this, verses 43 through 45. We read it, but let's see it on the the slides again here. But it's not so among you. Instead... Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus had said the the rulers of their day, he said Gentiles, uh, they want to lord it over them. And he said the great ones, the great rulers of that day, are often tyrants. And, you know, we can go back, and I like reading history, kind of world history, American history. Oftentimes, rulers are the the ones who lord it over the people. Instead, Jesus is talking about that great leaders in his economy find ways, you think about it, in nations, in leadership in nations, in business and in work, in their own homes, to lead by serving, to lead by example, to show what it means to serve and to give others the chance to lead and to serve as well. Jesus is telling his disciples, who are his best friends, that he will serve. He did not come for others to serve him. And he gives lots of examples of that. Even when near the end of his life, he he pulls out a towel and washes his disciples' feet. We are called to treat others the way that Jesus did in employer-employee relationships, parent-child relationships, teacher and student, uh, family relationships, community relationships, neighbor to neighbor. In healthy ways, 
How might we be an example for others to see Jesus in all of our relationships? So my favorite line in all of this is when Jesus says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. But he adds on there to even go farther, that he was ready to go farther, to give his life as a ransom for many. These are powerful words about what Jesus does for us and what he alludes to in verses 32 through 34, that he is going to die. He is going to give his life as a ransom for many. So just about every commentator I read last week in looking at this passage, when they got to Mark 10, verse 45, where it says a ransom for many, points to Isaiah 53. Now, I looked at Isaiah 53, I read it several times, and it doesn't exactly say the same words that Jesus says here, but it's awfully close. So if you wanna go home, you want some homework this week, and you want some comparisons to how to live for Jesus, here's your homework for this week. Now, you don't have to do this, but I'm saying homework because if you want something to do, and I actually do think this is a good exercise, something I did several times this past week, is to read Isaiah 53, it's a short chapter. Think of Jesus, even though this is hundreds of years before when you're reading in the prophet Isaiah, think of Jesus as you read Isaiah 53 and then pray about what that says to you. I think it's a simple task, it's a great chapter. I'm gonna read just a very short part of it right now. In Isaiah 53, we read this servant And scholars call this the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. It says, the servant took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows, was pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds we are healed. Most scholars and most Christians think that Isaiah 53 talks about who the Messiah is gonna be and that the suffering servant is Jesus. He took up our infirmities, he carried our sorrows, was pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, we can't do all those things like Jesus did, but how might we serve someone? How might we put someone else first in our lives? How might we give up the best seats in the house and put ourselves more in the background in different ways in our own lives? And I wanna give a a couple of examples of what we might think about that, maybe how that works in more kind of everyday ways. Now, we've talked here at ZBC that one of our our big ministries, especially that that encourages and helps adults to know what it means to follow Jesus is Great Banquet. There's a lot of you that have been to Great Banquet. In fact, why don't you raise your hand if you've been a part of uh, Great Banquet. So yeah, it's a lot. And if you haven't been, I really encourage you to go. But at Great Banquet, um, you hear a lot of talks. And though when I went, I went a long time ago, I was pretty, pretty soon out of seminary when I went to Great Banquet. And I meant, these are really great talks, but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, honestly, I'm not learning a lot of like new theology or about Christianity. You know, I kind of just got out of seminary. Probably had a little bit of that big head kind of thinking that. But I will tell you what I was most impressed with at the Great Banquet attending as a guest is that on Saturday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning, I don't know what time it was, but we got up very early and we went in to have breakfast and people came in from the community that weren't there for the weekend to serve us breakfast. I'm like, what are they thinking? Why would they get up so early, especially on the weekend, a Saturday or a Sunday, way before we would start church, 
and come in and serve me breakfast? Who would do this and why would they do this? And it was pretty obvious because they love Jesus, that's why they would do this. And secondly, we figured out during the weekend that there were people on the team, they weren't doing a talk, they weren't in our room most of the time. Their sole job was to be there to clean up after us, to carry out the trash, and even to clean the bathrooms. Who would sign up for that job? I mean, come on, really? You know, they're gonna see it, sign up to carry out the trash and clean up after us, a bunch of guys making a mess and clean the bathrooms. And I realized they signed up for that on purpose to be servants so that we could really see who Jesus is and who Jesus was. That's the kind of example we're thinking about. Sometimes I'm encouraged by thinking about others maybe in my own life or that I read about or that I hear about who inspire me to be more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, so you might take a a moment as I'm talking here, who in your life inspires you, encourages you, that you're like, you know, I want to be a little bit more like that because that person is a lot like Jesus as a servant leader. One of the people I sometimes think about and have read about is Mother Teresa. She found a way to care for the sick and the dying on the streets of Calcutta, India. And she was quoting, quoted as saying she simply wanted to, and this is part of the quote, to help the unwanted, the unloved, and the uncared for. She wanted to come for the, unwant- the unwanted, the unloved, and the uncared for. Mother Teresa simply came not to be served, but to serve and, and to really to give her life as a ransom for many. This is what Jesus did. He gave a call to serve. And so instead of being a military leader, which is what they thought the Messiah might be, Jesus is teaching his disciples here and us, and he's really leading a revolution by serving, putting others first, by giving of himself. N.T. Wright, which I mentioned before in his commentary on this passage He said this call from Jesus is something even more profound than just serving. And we have his quote up here where he says, God turns the world's ideas of power and glory upside down and inside out. It challenges and subverts all human systems which claim to put the world to rights, but in fact only succeed in bringing a different set of humans out on top. That's from N.T. Wright again. So in Jesus' day, the leaders in Jerusalem were the religious leaders and Roman authorities. And we know by reading to the end of the story in the Gospels, the religious leaders wanted to put Jesus down because he was a threat to them and to their authority. And later, decades later in the year A.D. 70, the Romans, who were the real leaders and the authority in that region, would put down a Jewish rebellion, and they would show their authority by killing the rebels and by tearing down the Jewish temple. So part of world history is seeing who takes power, and as N.T. Wright says, which different, different set of humans comes out on top. But Jesus shows a better way. He is the one who is the Son of God who humbled himself at Christmas time that we read who came as a baby born in Bethlehem, who would eventually give his life as a ransom for many, so that now, by his example and who he is as the Son of God, we call King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Now, it's a, it's a lot of grand language. It's a, it's a grand example to think about Jesus. It's really a grand example to think about Mother Teresa. And I know sometimes I think I can be at fault where I, I could give grand illustrations or grand examples. But I wanted us to think about, again, what are examples that we might be to be servant leaders in the line of Jesus with the example of Jesus? It could be like thinking about maybe whether you're serving at a great banquet or not. What about being that person who serves the meal, gives up the best seat in the house, or cleans up behind the scenes? And I was, as I was thinking about this week, I wanted to give an example of a person who's a person that I looked up, up to and one of my mentors was my youth pastor and one of my pastors when I was a high school and college student back at my home church in Dallas, Texas. So I loved being around him. I wanted to learn from him. So when I got out of college, I actually moved back to Dallas and I was working in business. And I went back to my home church, similar to this church. And I said, hey, I'm gonna volunteer in the youth ministry. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't trained. I wasn't on staff. I'm just gonna be a volunteer like many of you are volunteers. Many ways inside the walls of the church and he said, all right, come Sunday night and come an hour early to youth group. We're gonna, we're gonna do youth group, you're gonna help me. All right. So I came and I said, what can I do? He said, I'm glad you're here, you're here early. So you've seen how we set up the chairs, you've been part of that, so go out in the youth room and help set up the chairs, okay? I can go do that, get it. And we had a big group, it was a large church, so I'm setting up chairs, I got all the chairs set up. He said, okay, we still got time, what do you want me to do next? He's all right, I'm back in the kitchen, so we walk back, the typical church kitchen, He's like, we got some snacks and we're having lemonade tonight. So the snacks are all ready, I've got those and I have a couple of people helping us and we've got to mix the lemonade. And I've told this story before, but it was very memorable and you'll see why. He was looking for a spoon to, to, to stir as he dumped the lemonade mix into the five gallon jug of water and he couldn't find a large spoon. So he rolls up his sleeve, actually just kind of pushed up his sleeve, put his hand down into the five gallon jug and just stirs the lemonade with his arm comes out, and if I remember correctly, that's when he actually washed his hand. I don't think he washed his hand before he plunged it into the lemonade, but hey, he's a youth pastor. And I thought, I kind of thought I remember seeing that, hey, welcome to youth ministry. This is kind of what it's like, all right. But um, he did wash off his hand afterwards. But I think I remember thinking at the time, that was a little striking, but I thought, hey, you do whatever it takes to get the job done. So we went out to lead the youth group. I pretty much just hung back and just watched and participated. He led the youth group. He had volunteers lead like games and music and maybe some other things. He led a message and the youth group was over and I'd asked him, you know, what am I supposed to do afterwards? He said, go around, learn the students' names and talk to them. It's that easy, that's what you do. Okay, I can do that. So I did that, they all leave. I said, okay, what next? I'm an eager learner. Here I am, first time. He goes, all right. Kids are messy. Check out the floor. There's trash. There's empty cups. There's stuff. The chairs are a mess. Go put all the chairs away. Pick up the trash. Put it in the trash can. All right. So we do that. And I found out other times when we do messier games, and if you think of messier games, talk to Brendan here, or those who've been with Brendan. Other times we would say, all right, get out the vacuum cleaner. And we've got lots of extra trash tonight, so tie up the trash bags and we're carrying them out to the dumpster. And I thought, maybe ministry isn't as glorious as I thought it was. But what I learned from him is this is what it means to be a servant leader. 
is you do all the things it takes to serve and to lead the things behind the scenes, maybe that no one sees, in order that others may see who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you because I know so many of you, probably pretty much everyone in this room, finds ways to serve. And I wanna keep encouraging you to be leaders and to be servants and to be an example, whether it's with ministries here in our own building, which I know so many of you serve in, or, or outside the building. I was thinking of ministries around Indianapolis or close by like Habitat for Humanity, Boone County, Straight Up Ministries, Outreach Inc., which is in downtown Indy. Some of you support them. Some of you go on uh, mission trips, international mission trips. If you can't go on one of those, you can support them with your dollars or your prayers, and I think those are incredibly important to support our international ministries as well. Some are called to serve in a more formal way, and so you saw earlier we ordained and installed our elders and deacons, and I wanna talk about them a little bit because they're great servants in our church. Elders are called to discern God's will together in this season of ZPC's life for a three-year term. They sacrifice lots of time, sometimes they make hard decisions, they go to lots of meetings, they serve on committees, they lead committees, and they also pray and listen to God on behalf of the church. In biblical descriptions of being an elder, it lists hospitality. So one of the things we ask our elders to do, really that Pastor Jerry asked our elders to do, is to be welcoming and including, really to be like hosts of the church while they're here. So you will often see some of our elders serving donuts or being greeters or ushers or up here serving uh, communion or serving in other ways, especially on Sunday mornings. They do a great job and they spend many hours serving our church. Deacons are more purely service-oriented. They are divided into teams where they serve youth, our church, and our community. One of those teams is the hospital team. They visit people in hospitals or during COVID or if other people are in Spaces where they can't be visited, they make phone calls and they pray for those in need. And it's not always easy to go into a hospital room where someone is incredibly sick and to be there simply to offer presence and prayer, but they do that. Bereavement team, when we host a funeral, very quickly you pull together a funeral, sometimes with only a couple of days time. They offer food and drink, they make the building look nice, the staff doesn't do all that. They come in and do that to make sure that the families who are having a funeral feel welcomed and included, and it's an act of grace. Other deacons serve on community assistance. We get lots of phone calls at the church of people asking for help, all kinds of different help. They answer those calls, they call the people back, and they see what they can do to help financially or maybe other ways to help people in need. So where might you serve or be an example for Jesus this year? You may already know what that is. You may already be plugged in. But if you do, one of the things we talked about in the fall was being quiet. So we encourage you again, even this week in the new year, to take time to be quiet. Take time the first thing in the morning to sit quietly and read a devotional or to pray or to read scripture. On your first drive of the day, turn off the radio or your music and think about what God might have you to do that day as you're on your first drive, or take a walk or a run without any podcast or music so that you can just walk and think and think about what God wants for you. And during these quiet times, ask God to speak to you and listen to him. We ask our elders and deacons to serve with energy 
intelligence, imagination, and love. And may we serve that way as well. I've been reminded recently of just some things I'm studying related, which I thought again about this week. Each of us is unique. Each of us has spiritual gifts. Each of us has abilities. Each of us has a unique personality. And you are valued and loved by God. You are equipped. You are equipped to be like Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. May we do that as well. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks again for this opportunity to gather together and to be uh, humbled by your word where Jesus talks about dying for us, dying for the disciples. But while he was here and he walked on the earth, he came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life. God, by his example and by some of the practical examples that we see around us, may we too be encouraged even this week to find simple ways to serve in our own ways with our own gifts, abilities, and personalities. We do pray in Christ's name. Amen.